Over this past week, I've had a couple of those experiences that we all seem to be having these days of realizing with the people that I'm with, this is the first time that we have done this in three years. It happened last Lord's Day when I headed down to Elmwood in Lisburn, and my brother Andrew came here. And as I arrived in, I got to see some of the elders and some of the people who would normally greet me on my annual visit there, and they were saying, it's been a long time. And we realized it had been three years since I'd last been with them in Elmwood. And then it happened on Friday evening when we headed off to the Tully Glass for the Men Alive dinner for the, the Carvery. And uh, we were talking and we realized, hang on, it's been three years since we were here together doing this. But don't worry, we had enough to make up for the missing two years. But it's amazing how we take things for granted until we no longer have them. That's true of family, of friendships, of socializing, being together with those people, all of the key relationships in our life. And up until May 2020, we probably took for granted those who we are closest to and the opportunities that we have to spend time with them. We took all of that for granted. Sunday meals and, and family get-togethers, visits to, to parents or grandparents, even the opportunities that we have to spend time together here as a fellowship in this place, whether that be when we come here on a Sunday and have tea together after the service or at the prayer meeting or at the PW, or Men Alive, or the Bible class, or whatever that kind of setting might be. And all of that was then taken away from us, and in some cases, for as long as 18 months. And we realized how much we need and we crave interaction with others. We came to realize like never before that relationships are so important. Tonight we're going to begin a series in the book of 1 Timothy, and it's a letter that reveals the depth of the relationship that existed between Paul and Timothy, and it's a letter that teaches us about the gospel and how it transforms our relationships with others. So, I don't want us to fall into the mistake of thinking that all of the focus in this series is on Paul or on Timothy and the kind of people they are or were. No, the focus is very much on the gospel that transformed them and transforms all of God's people in Christ. Now, we very briefly considered some passages from 1st and Second Timothy during our online times of worship, those ones that we had on Sunday evenings during lockdown. Do you remember those? I do. Facebook Live. And I was sitting in my study with a wee phone set up on about 25 books. I pressed go live. I took a deep breath, and I hoped that people would arrive. And then I saw all these names scrolling, scrolling along the bottom, but I was never quite sure that I was actually speaking to anyone. Sometimes I thought, I'm just speaking to a phone, and, and, and this isn't working at all. But over those Sunday nights, we 
we, we barely scratched the surface when it comes to this book. Those were little epilogues, thoughts that probably were of great relevance to us as we were going through that time of lockdown, but it was always my intention to look at this letter in a fuller, more comprehensive way. Indeed, that was my plan back in the spring of 2020, that this letter would have been the next book that we would have moved on to on Sunday evenings, but the pandemic didn't allow for that. So, as we eventually do that now, three years later, as we come to this book, as we think about this letter for the first time, tonight we need to realize the importance of relationships. And so, maybe the starting point for us is simply to acknowledge from God's Word that we have been created by God to be in relationship. We have been made by Him to be in relationship with Him and then in relationship with one another. And in the time of the New Testament church, a letter was the primary way of keeping in contact. Next to personal contact, to face-to-face contact, a letter was the way in which people would deepen their relationships. And so, we're going to look at this letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to his friend and his co-worker, Timothy. And as we look at this letter in the coming weeks, there are two things that I want us to keep in mind as we read and study this letter. First of all, we can say that this letter is personal. And in the coming weeks, we're going to discover the the nature of this relationship between Paul, the writer of this letter, and Timothy, its recipient. And what we get to see here is that Paul is talking to his closest and most trusted colleague. And that inevitably changes the nature of this letter, given who it is that Paul is writing to. Maybe I can explain it like this. Email has become the main way in which I communicate about work. But my work emails can look quite different depending on the recipient. If I have to email a representative from a missionary organization, someone that I've never met before, well, that email will by its nature be quite businesslike, and it will be very much to the point. There will be no small talk. But on the other hand, if I have to email Mervyn about Kirk's session business and his role as session clerk, or if I have to email Alistair in his role as the congregational secretary about what's going on in the life of our committee, those emails will look quite different. Now, we're still getting the job done. The business at hand is still being dealt with, but it will be much more personal. And so, rather than just launching straight into the work and the business, if I know there's been something going on in their lives, if someone hasn't been well in their household, they'll say, I hope you're feeling better, or if I know that they've been doing something nice, I hope you had a good time. Or maybe we'll even talk about something that was going on here in the life of our congregation, a a special time, and we'll say, that was a really encouraging night. 
Or in the case of Alistair, it's usually, I'm sorry that Balamina lost again. But inevitably, in those emails, more of my personality will emerge. The true me, if you want to describe it in that way, will emerge. And here Paul is writing to his closest, most trusted friend in ministry. And so perhaps in this letter, we get to see Paul's mind more than anywhere else in Scripture. We are given really deep insights into his thoughts on the gospel and mission and the church. So these are letters that enable us to see Paul's heart. They reveal so much of the man. So they are personal, and we should never lose sight of that. But then alongside that, we can also say of these letters, of this letter, 1 Timothy, that it is prophetic. That means it is proclaiming God's Word. Because how does the writer of the letter, Paul, introduce himself? We'll look at the very opening verse again, verse 1 in chapter 1. And he introduces himself to Timothy as Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. He's calling himself a messenger of the Lord Jesus Christ, a title that was not a self-appointed one, but one that he was given by the Lord himself. And we believe Scripture's testimony about itself that it is God-breathed, that it is truly God's Word to us. But the remarkable thing about Scripture is that all that we read there is God's Word to us, and yet it comes from a variety of voices, a variety of personalities, a variety of flavors and tones. It's a remarkable thing, the variety, and yet it is God speaking to us through His Word. So, let's take a, a closer look this evening at what God is saying to us in these opening verses. And these are verses that reveal three important things about relationships. First of all, they tell us something important about the nature of Paul's relationship with God. And Paul, in the opening verse, comments on his relationship with God. Look at what he says there in verse 1. He says of himself that he is an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of God. That phrase is important that he is in this role not because of his inclination or his choice, but by God's calling and God's command. We get to see here a glimpse of the sovereignty and the power of God. But then look at how he describes God. And it's interesting because it maybe contrasts with how we often use this term. He talks about God, our Savior. And maybe you're thinking, hang on, is, is it not Jesus who is our Savior? But remember that salvation belongs to our God. He is the author of salvation, that it is God Himself by His will who is the instigator of the rescue of His people. 
and we must not lose sight of that. That as we discovered recently in our Judges series, God loves to save His people. And then He describes Jesus Christ as our hope. And I think of the words that we were singing this morning, right at the end of our service, as we sang about Jesus, our hope in life and death. Those are actually words that come from a great Reformed Catechism, the Heidelberg Catechism, and it asks that question, what is our only comfort? Or we could describe it in this way, our only hope in life and death. And the answer comes back loud and clear that we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I simply pause for a moment this evening and ask, have you this hope? Is this a real hope in your life through Christ? Because it is a hope, an eternal hope, that is found in Christ alone. So, this is a, a, an opening chapter that tells us about the nature of Paul's relationship with God. And this is true of all people who have been called by God and who have come near to Him, have been brought near to Him through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But then a second thing about relationships that we see in these verses. These verses tell us something important about the nature of Christians' relationships with each other. And it's so good that we get to hear the way in which Paul speaks to Timothy and of Timothy in this passage, because Paul has sometimes got a bad press. Even amongst theologians and within churches, many people have looked upon Paul as being a, a pretty academic and forensic and, and even a bit of a, a cold theologian. But I want you to look at the beautiful way in which he sums up his relationship with Timothy. These are beautiful words. Verse 2, he addresses him, Timothy, my true son in the faith. Now, when I think about my ministry, I've been privileged to work with a number of ministers down through the years. And in some cases, I was an assistant or a student, or an associate minister working along with those ministers. ministers, And in each case, I benefited from them. There's no doubt about that. I was treated well by them. And in some cases, lifelong friendships have been established. But I want you to see that what is going on here runs much deeper. The relationship between Paul and Timothy is not a boss-apprentice or a mentor-student relationship, it is actually regarded as a father-son relationship. And we get more light on this elsewhere in the New Testament in Philippians. If you turn with me to Philippians chapter 2 and verses 20 to 22, there Paul writes this to the Philippian believers about Timothy. He says of Timothy, and these are amazing words, Philippians 2.20, I have no one else like him 
who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. And did you pick up on that phrase, as a son with his father? And it's interesting where that comment about Timothy comes in the book of Philippians, that it appears in the same chapter where Paul talks about imitating the Lord Jesus and his attitude. It's this Christ-like attitude that made Timothy a brilliant friend and such a good and a faithful co-worker. But remember, our focus is not so much on Paul and the kind of guy that he was. It's not so much on Timothy and the kind of Christian that he was. No, our focus is on the gospel of Jesus Christ, because when we read of what Paul says of Timothy here, are you able to see what the gospel does? Or at least what the gospel should do? That when we become more and more like Christ, and remember that is the direction of travel for those that God has brought to Himself in Jesus, those that He has redeemed, that we are saved for a purpose, and we are always moving in that direction of becoming more and more like Jesus until one day we will be exactly like Him in His presence. But being more and more like Christ will make you a good brother or sister in Christ to those around you. It's Christ who makes us a family in this place. And I wonder what kind of a family are we in Connor? When we look at these words that Paul wrote of his son in the faith, Timothy, do we prefer our own interests to those of Christ? What might we need to repent of in this past week? But then finally, this is a, a passage, these are opening verses that tell us something important about a preacher's relationship to the Word and with his congregation. Because Timothy is one who was commissioned by the apostles to preach the gospel, and he can, and he must do this with real authority. He was based in Ephesus, and we've thought about the Ephesian church before. We know that in Ephesus, there were major problems in the church. So, Timothy was called and required to tackle these problems head on, and he would do this by proclaiming God's Word. So, look again at Paul's instruction to Timothy in verse 3. He says to him, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer. And I hope you can see that verb, command. He was to order them to stop it. He was to do this 
by the very authority of Christ. Now, that verb command that appears in that verse is one that we need to heed and think about here this evening. Within the church of Jesus Christ in 2023, I wonder how do you feel about being commanded to do something? Because it seems to me that that does not sit well with people in our society today. Nobody is going to tell me what to do. Nobody is going to tell me how to live. Nobody's going to dictate to me the way in which I should conduct my life. And the spirit of the age has increasingly seeped into the very life of the church where we have the same mindset. And I encounter that mindset among people all the time. I've encountered it here in Connor as I did in Waringstown and Rathryland, right the way back to my time as an assistant in White Abbey. That if we're being really honest, in so many ways we have sought to strip Scripture of its authority. And in a church like Connor, we would be horrified at the suggestion of that. Oh, no, not us. But that in the spirit of the age, we want our preachers to make us feel good and to confirm that everything is okay for us. And it's very subtle in a place like this. Here in Connor, we would say, in fact, there are people who wear this as a badge of honor. We would say, oh, we love biblical preaching. We love that our ministers who have come here seek to proclaim God's Word. We love it, in my experience, until it unsettles us, until it shakes us up, until it challenges us, until it confronts our bigotry and our hatred and our deep-down attitudes that are sinful and wrong. So, do you accept the authority of Scripture and the one who proclaims it? Or is it just a badge of honor? Is it just a, a tag for a church? And this command that Timothy is to bring to the Ephesians is for a clear purpose. We finish by looking at verse 5. And Paul adds, the goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. In other words, it will result in us loving God in the right kind of way, loving each other in the right way, and therefore ultimately showcasing God's grace and God's power to change. You know, we think about showrooms. I, I can't afford to buy new cars, but I do like sometimes, you know, to, to drive by a showroom and you see the big glass front. That's intentional. You sometimes see those shiny cars and they're turning around and that is the showroom. It's showcasing the very best. And there's to be a sense in which we, as the church of Jesus Christ, as brothers and sisters in Christ, in relationship with each other, 
are to showcase the gospel. We're to showcase the grace of God and the power that God has to change lives. Are we doing that by the way in which we live in relationship with each other in this place? Is there that depth of relationship that there was between Paul and Timothy, a father and a son in the faith? I pray that in the coming weeks, as we look at the the chapters of this letter together, that God would equip and inspire us from His Word so that that would be the case. Amen.